Hello, 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 guys. Welcome to this new edition of my podcast. This is Adit Kapadia joining to you, joining you on yet another week. I, I shouldn't say yet another week, on a crazy week of politics. <laughs> um, if you might have wondered, I know we said that we would bring you a podcast right after the results and right after the presidential winner is declared. So a lot of you guys might have th- thought, been thinking that why is this not being done on Wednesday or Thursday? Well, because the presidential winner was declared yesterday on a Saturday. So the first available slot I'm getting Sunday morning. We're we're doing this podcast from US. With me, I have a fellow uh, uh, pers- uh, fellow sophologist analyst numbers guru. I'm not going to give him his other profile because right right now this. I mean, if you guys are list- have listened to the Mind Podcast, you know who Mohan is. So I don't need to give you his bio, but <laughs> this week his bio is we are just going to analyze the elections. So we're going to talk about the US elections. No, guys, we are not going to talk about the Bihar elections exit poll because the results are in two days. <laughs> so we'll talk about the results in two days. The exit. Po- I know the exit polls are showing uh, RJD leading and stuff. And um, it's just the fact is there is so much to discuss in the US elections. And then we'll discuss Bihar in detail as soon as the results are out. I promise you guys that. But we have a packed week uh, this week. We're doing three or four podcasts. You'll see. Um, uh, I, I happen to do a few live streams as well on the U.S. elections. You guys are. I've tweeted them out. You guys are welcome to uh, take a look. It's on my Twitter handle at ASK0704. But without further ado, welcome to Mind Podcast, Mohal. First thoughts on elections before we start the fun. Yeah, thanks, Adit. Uh, I mean, after it was 2020, so it can't be just straightforward. I know many people had, uh, actually many pollsters had predicted that uh, it would be like a landslide for Biden. Now I kept talking in my private conversations with I think you and many others, I kept telling that it's not a landslide, it's much closer than uh, what the pollsters are saying. I mean, unfortunately, this would be probably the third or the fourth cycle, they would get it consistently wrong. I've been seeing that since 2014, 16, 18. Uh, and it, they were proven right to a correct extent that it wasn't a landslide. I mean, Biden did win in the end, but it wasn't the landslide. I mean, if you remember, some of the polls were like crazy, like plus 10, plus 12 in the popular vote for Biden, which makes complete percent no in Wisconsin, sense. Where he won by 20,000 votes, less than 0.5%. Yeah, there was a poll like plus 17 in Wisconsin, which made, made no sense. I mean, I mean, just to keep perspective, like Obama was a very popular leader, right? I mean, he won in 2008, a landslide against McCain by plus 7.2. Now, are you telling me that, I mean, Biden is going to win by 50% more margin, like 12 versus 7.2? That makes completely no sense, you know? Yeah. And so a couple of things, right? First, uh, let me um, show the results, basically, of our uh, uh, of our uh, elections and, you know, how it's going. So I'm gonna I'm gonna share my I'm gonna share my screen and kind of show you guys what you know what's going on. So here is here is the situation, right? Um, you have the states basically the blue wall, which was Michigan, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and Pennsylvania. I pointed that out in the complete wrong order, but Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin are the three mm-hmm. walls that were breached last time. President Trump carried all the states. Now here is the thing. In a wave election, like they were predicting, and that's what I said on the live streams also, in a wave election, this would have been a landslide, right? But let's look at the voting margins here. Pennsylvania, he was Biden as a projected winner. He has only a lead of 0.61%. That is 42,000 votes. That is less than what Trump had last time. 
Trump had a higher lead in Pennsylvania against Hillary. I think it was more than in percentage wise, not raw votes. Just I want to clarify. Raw votes, it was still more than sixty thousand, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was eight, eighty eighty eight thousand or something like that. If oh no, um, and, and probably, what they are saying is ninety eight percent of votes have already been reported. So the lead, the chances of this lead stretching to that eighty thousand number is is less. I I would think, but we'll wait and watch. Mm-hmm. Right? Then Michigan. Now Michigan, here is where Biden did win by a larger margin. Mohal and I disagreed. I thought Michigan was a lot closer <laughs> than than this was, and Mohal kept saying Wisconsin was closer. Ultimately, that did happen. The case, yeah, yeah, but yeah. he did run him very close. The margin was about two two and a half percent, which a lot of mm-hmm. polls saying were eight and a half percent. So that is not even within the margin of error. Uh, um, and the third state is Wisconsin, where the margin was, I mean, twenty thousand votes. It was point five. Mm-hmm. Something percent, point five eight, I think, if I do the math right now, or point uh, mm-hmm. point six two. I'm sorry, point six two. But my mm-hmm. my point is that it, that's how close this election was. And in contrast, mm-hmm. let's look at Florida, another swing state, right? Florida, mm-hmm. President Trump was far ahead by three hundred and fifty thousand votes, and there are still four mm-hmm. percent more votes to come. Uh, so who knows mm-hmm. what way it might go? And as John King said, in a state like Florida, a margin of four hundred thousand, three hundred and fifty thousand is a landslide. Yeah, that's how close. Yeah, plus three is a landslide in Florida. I mean, given the history of Florida, yeah. I mean it's a landslide. And, and 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 then let's look at Georgia and North Carolina. Georgia, the margin is less than ten thousand votes, or yeah. little more than ten thousand votes now. Um, point six percent. Arizona. Again, the margin is eighteen thousand votes. It was seventy-six thousand yeah. votes, but here, Georgia, Arizona has been that one weird state where Donald Trump has gotten more mail-in ballots than he, and has caught up in the later phases of uh, voting. Yeah, actually, it's same election day vote also. It's like a bit of provisionals and uh, election day votes, you know, also. So, so ultimately, what I want to say is this election was a lot closer than what the numbers suggest. Yes, there is a four percent. Mm-hmm. and that's what we were saying that president biden was the front runner no doubt about that but in the last two weeks uh, or president elect biden i should say now in the last two weeks president trump overtook him in a states like florida uh, texas meto every time the liberals like to think they'll win texas but look they lost by 650000 660000 votes again which was about a 6% margin so it's not a mean you know uh, win for mr trump and i think uh, 3% votes are volin so that b- margin will probably go up to like uh, three quarters of a million or something i think mm-hmm. so so he ran him close in a lot of states there were uh, states like maine which gave split electoral votes where in maine they voted for joe biden for president but susan collins the incumbent republican who had actually mm-hmm. sided with democrats on amy comey barrett and the healthcare bill famously it was susan um, uh, collins murkowski and john mccain who uh, made sure that the health, uh, aca uh, bill mm-hmm. sort of did the the trump's aca bill did not pass and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they sort of kept the obama era bill it's no surprise to say that mr mccain who who trump fought with a lot normally arizona would be an easy win for the republicans in a year of booming economy but because of his bitter feud with mccain uh, the republicans are set to lose arizona so i will disagree wait wait a few more days uh, if he wins 58% of the remaining vote i think in the end trump might pull it out okay even if he pulls it out let's let's face it if he hadn't fought with mccain i think this would have been an easy win by like 30 40000 votes by now it would have been projected yeah yeah 
Yeah. Normally, Arizona gets projected at the same time as California. Yeah, but like, see, there are like demographic shifts. So, if you had to, if I had to pick one of these states which would flip, the easiest or not easiest, like the like one of the likeliest ones was Arizona because you see, it's like as like someone told me, like it's like a big suburb, like it's like uh, Phoenix, Scottsdale, like and then you know, the outlying suburb. It's like eighty percent urban suburban. So that's where all the suburban vote, which was uh, anti-Trump would come in compared to the Northern states where it's more rural vote, you know. And then we're going to talk about the detailed, detailed analysis in a bit. Yeah. But yeah, let's, yeah. let's look at the House and the Senate and then also a couple mm-hmm. of states where Biden actually did do well. So first is mm-hmm. Minnesota where Trump came within 40,000 votes of Hillary Clinton last time mm-hmm. because of the increased turnout in the Hennepin County, which includes Minneapolis, mm-hmm. St. Paul. Uh, you f- you saw this huge surge and Biden won the state by almost 7% margin. The huge mm. right? But mm. Wisconsin is the new sort of swing state now for the Republicans because yeah. in the mid- and that's a sort of a change. So just as, o- as Ohio is deep purple, as my friend Mohan likes to point out to me many times that Ohio and... No, Trump- red, red. No, I disagree. Red, red. It, it's not a... So like, this is okay. the- no, no, no. Let me qu- qualify. So Ohio is red and now Florida is deep purple. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. See, like this is like this is where the the electorate is shifting. See, when maybe fifteen years ago, like when I was new to this country, like the swings, the perennial swing states were Ohio and Florida. But now it seems, for the moment, I mean, Florida. I don't know how the history, but it might become a bit more red. But the perennial swing states might be the three midwestern states that we're looking at, and a couple of the Sun Belt states. States, you know. So, so Ohio is not a swing state anymore. I mean. This is what I wanted to show to our viewers, listeners. Uh, I'm sorry, guys, if you're on SoundCloud, you will will have to watch our YouTube link, right? For this. So let's look at Miami-Dade County. Miami-Dade County is a county where Hillary got like 64, 34 or something of a margin. Yeah, two-third, one-third approximately. Look at how much President Trump pulled there because of the Cuban vote and other votes, right? He's Mm -hmm. within 46%. And 7% in a county which is more than one and a half million people, the more than 1.2 million votes were cast there, you know, uh, because there are 4% still to come. Uh, it's, it's or more than 1.1 million. It's a huge thing, right? Because then yeah. isn't it one fifth of the whole Florida thing or maybe I'm getting the math wrong. Maybe one fifth, 10%, 10 or 12%, something like that. So yeah, so that's a huge chunk. About uh, 10 or 10 million or something cast. So if you just look at it, one 1.2 million votes is about 10, 11 percent, right? Mm-hmm. So there. And then another county, Tampa, like Pinellas County. Last time Trump won that county, and most people thought that Trump would actually lose this county in a big way. But look at the margin. It's 2,000, not even 2,000 votes. It's 1,400 votes or something, or and 7% votes are still remaining. So mm-hmm. Florida, mm-hmm. I think President Trump has done it phenomenally well, except for this, um, the Broward County and the uh, Orlando sort of suburbs where Biden ran up the numbers. It is, I mean, look, all these rural counties, Trump's percentage was like 80, 20, 75, 10. And you guys mm-hmm. might think that, Array, but these are only 20,000. But if you get 20 counties where you run up 20,000 votes, that's a state. You, I mean, yeah. that is what it is. So that's what swung Florida in his favor. Let's look at uh, Wisconsin. And Mohal might want to explain this in a little bit. So what happened? This is where the Kenosha riots happened, right? And mm-hmm. 
Do you think that played a role in what and what was happening here is Kenosha again? You know, red territory, all Republican territory. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin is blue because of uh, cities like Madison, Milwaukee, and things mm-hmm. like that. Green Bay and everything is all uh, all Republican. So yeah, Mohan, please. I mean, I think it's just that the what happened is that I mean overall in the election, if you see the cities went more blue than usually, which is like surprising but even the rural counties went more red than like so the last time it was probably like two third one third two third one third but now i think what as you just pointed in some of those florida counties it's almost like three fourths one fourth or four fifths one fifth you know so i think it's just like a more polarization like it's getting more skewed so what the tiebreaker in theory could be the suburbs now if you get killed in the suburbs of these big cities like the Atlanta Metropolis or the Phoenix Metropolis or the Milwaukee Metropolis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no, that's but where you get killed. So in Wisconsin, you think the same thing happened? Like you have the Milwaukee, right? Where, as you mm-hmm. can see, Biden is winning 70-30 almost. 69.1. So the margin is so much that all these rural counties, which are like you know just 10,000 votes or stuff, even mm-hmm. there, Trump needs to win big, like he did in Florida. But as you can yeah. see. Midwest Biden ran him a lot close. So you, no mar- county has more than a 20% margin or a 30%, which is what Trump really needs if he wants to be. Mm-hmm. So yeah. An extra 20% in these counties, which means another 25,000 votes or something and the state is his. So it was that close. Yeah, I mean, even if you look at the Northwest corner, like that's like blue. So that's where like uh, he cannot like uh, overcome the counties. I mean, see like uh, if you look at... Uh, how these states are like Wisconsin is more of the uh, I mean sort of like uh, I mean hard to describe it but like you know then the nice keep state like you know they don't like people who are like rough around the edges like Trump and stuff so that was the case that they might not like a divisive personality while like uh, Trump but but uh, Pennsylvania, which is like more bit of like roughneck kind of uh, culture that they might go for Trump more than a, a middle yeah. Wisconsin. And you saw that closeness, right? But both states were close. But here is where I think the election in Pennsylvania was lost. First is obviously the Democrats ran up the margins and mm-hmm. they were projected mm-hmm. 80-20. So you already have a deficit of 400 and something thousand votes in Philadelphia and mm-hmm. uh, another 100,000 in Pittsburgh. So you're talking about yeah. half a million votes that you have to um, get from other yeah. parts of Pennsylvania. And he was doing very well in this Elk County and all these rural counties. Where mm-hmm. I think he tried to focus was on the Erie County, where the margins mm-hmm. are very close. As you can see, 47, 49 to 40. That's a swing county. Like usually who wins Erie wins uh, Pennsylvania. So if he actually won, say, if, if he won this county, it got like about 30, 40 more thousand votes here. That is mm-hmm. the margin. The margin is right now 42,000 votes. You get another mm-hmm. 20,000 votes from Biden to Trump swing votes. That's the state, right? I mean, even if you look at the suburbs of Philly, I mean, those counties, those also like, I think Biden did pretty well. If you look at uh, yeah, Montgomery and uh, Bucks, yeah, like Bucks is another one. Like, see, if you slightly overperform, maybe like five, 5,000 votes more, it just adds up in the end where you can overcome that advantage of uh, Biden. I think the the suburbs kind of uh, sealed his fate because there's not enough rural vote to overcome the suburban transitions, you know. 
Absolutely. So, and, and then I promise you guys, these are the last two states you're looking, but we wanted to show you how close this re election was, right? And we'll do a deep dive very soon. So the, look at look at Georgia, what um, Mohal was saying, Atlanta, I mean, the differential is 250,000 votes there. In DeKalb County, another 250. So you're talking about at least 600,000 votes of deficit yeah. that had in Atlanta yeah. wasn't as big yeah. the last time. Yeah, I would be curious to, so I mean, maybe you might not have that capability right now, like Gwinnett, which is like north east of uh, the Fulton County. No, just north is the, the blue county. No, no, uh, like, yeah, that is like 5840. I would be interested to see what it was in 2016, because that's like a suburb, like one of the big suburbs of... Uh, it was a lot closer, and Georgia is a state that Republicans actually win by like uh, about 7-8% of the margin. So this is mm -hmm. kind of... Uh, you know, uh, um, uh, crazy. So, um, so here is the thing. So here is the thing. And now I'm going to come to like the uh, sort of the detailed analysis of it all. Um, what do you think? Why do you think did Biden win these suburbs, and why do you think Trump lost? It? I mean, the Trump's personality and his statements uh, also like turned off most of the suburban college-educated white voters. I mean, they flow, they voted away. I mean, they went away in droves towards Biden. I mean, the constant like uh, fighting with other people on the other side of the political spectrum, plus his statements, like many of them were just flat out false and uh, constantly attacking other people personally. I think they just like turned off most of the suburban crowd. So if you see like most of the states with large metropolis complexes, what I mean is like mm -hmm. cities plus suburbs, like he didn't do that well. Mm -hmm. And that's what proved fatal in the end that, uh, I mean, he couldn't overcome that with the rural vote. I mean, he did surge the rural vote a massive amount to keep it even close. Otherwise it would be a landslide for Biden, you know. No, that is true. That is absolutely true. So let's 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 look let's look at let's look at another scenario. I I think what happened was that Trump's personality did put a lot of people off, but people were willing to look away uh, if the uh, COVID situation you know wasn't there. I have a feeling that uh, if there was a booming economy, this election would have been even closer, and then you would have come to campaign styles, right, where Trump had an advantage over Biden. Because you saw what he did in the last two weeks because of his campaign advantage. Where I think Biden also pulled ahead was your working class vote. The vote in the Rust Belt or the Steel Belt of Philadelphia. I mean, uh, Pittsburgh, you know, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. Those voters relate to a Biden a lot more than Hillary. And I, I don't think it's anything to do with gender. Maybe in some counties it is, it is mainly to do with Biden comes from that sort of a, he was born in Scranton, if I was not mistaken, in Pennsylvania, and then lives in Delaware and stuff. Hillary was always seen as this upper um, east side New York elite who spoke the polished English and stuff like that. Biden was more seen like, you know, the, the way, even the way he responded to Trump saying, come on, man, you know, it was a very, very earthy style of response. And that actually helps, you know, son of the soil just doesn't work just in India, son of the soil also works in America because right now that is the divide. You have the sons mm. of the soil in the, uh, in the rural areas, which say that, oh, America had a different lifestyle. We want to go back to that and stuff like that. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying that it, that is a sentiment that plays out. And the other side is the cities and stuff. 
where because of the black lives matter movements this time because of you know the riots that happened because of um, you know various liberal issues or something it's complete there is a complete divide and you are sort of sitting right in the middle of that divide in the state of california so how do you see it because uh, we are giving you like some so mohal is sitting in a completely liberal state i'm sitting in a completely conservative um, state of texas but inside the state i'm sitting in the most liberal county in texas one of the most liberal counties mm-hmm. harris county the biggest county in texas so how how do you view this dichotomy i think see like first of all biden lived in like i know he says his son of scranton he lived in only probably 4 years after which he moved away so he is not like he had a tremendous amount of thing but the personality the way he speaks and stuff yeah. that is what they did i don't think that that could be the case i think trump still won the white working class vote maybe by a smaller margin trump won so i don't think the appeal was i think it's still like the trump's personality and like constant like like false claims and like a uh, toxic personality but also one more thing i think you mentioned it correctly i was about to come to that point the covid situation so like the covid situation lot of the people i mean trump like downplayed it okay it's just kind of another kind of flu they didn't ramp up testing for four weeks and like i mean i remember that friday conference in like middle of march when he started like you realize you saw it on his face that he was really scared on what it would do to his reelection chances so i think taking it easy and not attacking it head on unlike some countries like india where like we took it very seriously and we clamped down on it to make sure that we didn't have a, i mean still we had a lot of cases but uh, that also turned off a lot of people so if you look at a lot of the swing voters they said like you know because of the covid situation or i knew someone who was affected deeply or passed away due to covid that also played into the situation so i think if there was no pandemic and the economy was doing very well trump would have easily won the election versus losing it i think that was his one situation to i mean i wouldn't say like shine out but at least take a good stand and show like the presidential quality that okay you know what this is a serious situation let's take it i mean also not like wearing mask till probably like july also i mean compared to like prime minister modi who was wearing it even in his press i mean his uh, nation national address to the nation so that i think hurt him that people saw that he's this guy is not serious about a pandemic and it's coming and it's affecting people on a daily basis which i think just swung just enough vote over uh compared with the other issues to like make him lose the election i mean i mean i think this is like a 2016 in rivers right where we said you know what it's a close election but like if hillary had gotten i think i remember the number like 87000 more votes in the three midwestern states the election would have been gone this way i think this time we might say okay maybe georgia pennsylvania and wisconsin if i don't know the final number because you know they'll keep counting mm. like if they got maybe 100000 more votes mm-hmm. then it would be trump's election right so i think it's just like a mirror of 2016 where it slightly swung the other way and uh, this time i mean trump or i mean the democrats were uh, i mean they took it easy in the midwest last time they were all organized and they knew what to do right so they were going to make sure it doesn't happen again did not can i think she didn't go to wisconsin or michigan one of those two states and yeah yeah and and michael more kept saying that i don't know why they are taking it for granted because democrats had never lost that state in a long long time and they thought that if we couldn't win lose the states during bush what is to say we are not going to lose it now and that's i mean the polling that's where the polling comes in i mean they blindly trusted the polling that they were big time and uh, they didn't uh, 
I mean, this time I think a lot of the people were um, more vigilant that hey, don't trust the polling. Like it could be still be wrong. I mean, still we had a massive yes. polling. Like today, I think, I think Biden is up by what three percent, right? I oh, mean, I don't know how they can. That day, someone wrote it, wrote to me on Twitter saying, "Don't uh, bash Nate Silver. He was not completely wrong. He was very right on um, uh, uh, Minnesota, and he was very right on Ohio." And I'm like, "My dear, he was not very right on Ohio. He said 0.8 percent for Biden <laughs> or three percent. It was 8 percent for Trump." you cannot have a 10% swing in a state which has more than a yeah. million yeah i mean he is just a glorified poll reader to say like i mean think nate silver and those card i think see like after a defeat in india we know we say like atma chintan karna padega deep introspection i think that republican party will be good like they, some cycle they will win in the future but i think the bigger introspection needs to be done by pollsters like how can you get it consistently wrong i mean look at I mean, do you remember like Florida in 2018, Gillum plus 12, the Democratic candidate, and he lost by like one percent. I mean, how can you be off by 13 percentage and still call yourself a pollster? So there are these like weird outlier polls. Like this time, I think uh, New York Times, CNN, or I don't know, somebody had a plus 17 in Wisconsin. I mean, like if it was a plus 17, that's even higher margin than a uh, Texas. I mean, you know. in the heydays of bush the problem is as jake tapper said you can't get high on your own supply he said this on election day actually i'm not making that up <laughs> and he was talking about the pollsters my problem is nate silver is a living poll of polls you know that ndtv does in india where they take all the polls and yeah. just take an average and put it and the problem is none of the sort of indian american journalists to chodi do jo wall street journal new york times aur sabke liye likhte hain and a few who want to get published in foreign affairs <laughs> the american journalists have the guts to call them out because the reason is because they think that it's going to be they're going to get mad at democratic establishment and i'll tell you mm-hmm. why because a lot of these pollsters do the same thing again and again and use the same methodology to make so basically limited investment and more returns to do these surveys because they don't make money on election surveys they make f- some dollars but they make money on corporate surveys they make money when the establishment wants to pass a law they like do a poll that's where like they make the non election polls is where they make the real money but election polls is where they get scrutinized the most and if they keep getting it wrong they cannot just say that we have the same model that worked and we're going to give i mean trafalgar group which was a c minus i think got yeah. better than it, uh, new york times this time Yeah, I mean, see the, uh, I mean, I know like nature does the polls or polls. He also gives a rating, right? I mean, I mean, first of all, like if someone would give him a rating, like a C minus, and New York Times he gives them A plus. Yeah, so th- that's the thing. I mean, see, Susquehanna, uh, I think uh, People's Pundit, like a polling, uh, Trafalgar, those are like uh, I mean, proven much better to be in the end. So that's the question that you need to weigh the people who get it right more than. And the other people like he says okay new york, new york times and cni is like a plus while i said trafalgar is like um, i mean a c or whatever you want to call it a grading you know so you have to weigh the people who i mean it's not like a simple polls of polls but like you have to weigh those guys much more then i think it's also coming to weightage right i mean you could expect okay a like person like x community votes in this percentage and you might have the percentage okay maybe two third and one third two third will vote biden one third will vote trump so that is the first thing you could get wrong right the other thing is that percentage of the electorate so even if you get that percentage right you have to plug into the calculation that how much of the total electorate will be community x so i think all those stuff the weightage representative sample i think they are like screwing a big time 
which skews highly democratic. I think also another issue is like uh, response uh, uh, rate, right? I mean, the thing is, I mean, nowadays, like a lot of people might not have time to answer a pollster for three or five minutes, right? Or maybe 30 yeah. minutes. The issue of trust. Yeah, the, I think it's not like a shy Trump voter also like you need to poll enough of them. And the thing is, somebody has to stay on the phone for like 10, 15 or 30 minutes and then give you an answer now, like a white working class, maybe who's like a probable Trump voter. Like, I mean, if he's just written from job at 630 and you call him up and say like, you know, can you answer like 30 minutes? He's not going to answer to you. I mean, he, he already doesn't trust you after so many polling misses. So if you don't poll enough of them. And then also put a representative sample because what if white working class is a greater percentage of the electorate than what you forecast it, right? It could easily swing it one or two percent. So I think there are a lot of issues in the polling industry. They all need to take into account. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's let's look at and before we um, before we shut the podcast or get move to the next podcast, uh, uh, move to the next discussion, which is going to happen in the next podcast where we'll do a detailed deep dive in it. This is going to be about um, in the next five minutes. We'll be closing the podcast. I wanted to show another thing, right? And um, and basically, this is the election results of um, of the Senate and the House. So if you see right here. You are looking at uh, you are looking at the Senate race. The Fifty-one you need for majority, and the Republican Party has already won forty-eight now. One mm-hmm. third of the seats go to polls, and three uh, three are going. So bas- uh, basically, three are yet to be called. So this time you had thirty-four um, or three or maybe uh, uh, how many more are yet to be called? I think it is three. Three. Oh, four. No, the, so, four. Just four of them. Four of them are yet to be called. So 35 seats are up for election because Georgia has two that are coming for election. So here is the thing in Georgia. David Perdue, who's at 49.8, if he was at 50.2%, it would have been called because Georgia rules uh, say that you have to go to re-election. And um, so both the seats will go to runoff elections um, Mm -hmm. in January. And Mm -hmm. here's the interesting thing. I think with Trump not on the ticket, the Republican Party will win both. I'm pretty sure about that. At least one, at least one. At least one. The one will they'll win. But even the Kelly lost mm. one. Because actually, if you look at the details, see, here is what the left won't tell you. Let's look at let's look at the special election of Kelly Loffler. Let's look at the total percentage. The Democrats got 32.9, 6. 6.6, 2.8, and 2.2, right? Don't don't go with all these one percenters. Like those don't matter really. <laughs> but let's look at those key ones. 32 plus 6, 38 plus 2 is about 40, right? You even add 2 or 3 percentages is about 43, 44, correct? Just add the top two Republicans, 45.9%. I, I think, but Ali, it's going to be much closer. But uh, the advantage, see, this is the weird situation. If you go back to the map, the there are like 48 called for Republican. Uh, however, there will be there are two outstanding races. One is the North Carolina race where Tillis is leading, and the race in Alaska. So you can Alaska. Practically, I, I, don't know I mean, how they haven't called Alaska. They just love waiting. I mean, the Republican is leading by 30 percent margin. Yeah. So what I'm saying is like, uh, uh, like basically, Republicans will end up with fifty. So that means that Democrats have to win both the Georgia special runoffs in on Jan 5th to retain control of the Senate. So like there will be a 50-50 tie and then Kamala Harris will be the tiebreaker vote in the Senate. So what might happen is that, uh, I mean, 
I mean, you can see that the Democrats were supposed to pick up like uh, a 51, 14. I mean, if I, I I had tweeted in my chain on the election that probably I saw like a 50, 50 or a 51, 49 pro projection, you know. Octopus Nate had predicted, I'm saying Octopus Nate because Octopus Paul was the big predictor. That is why he had predicted there is 75% chance that Democrats will gain the Senate, hold of the Senate. And, and here is where the calculation messed up. So the Democrats did win Arizona with a very closer mm -hmm. margin, with a very close margin. Yeah. Um, but Mich Maine, look at the margin yeah. that Susan Collins had, 9%. This Susan Collins got around mm -hmm. the same number of votes as Biden did for president. Yeah, but see, the, uh, there's another difference. Like Susan Collins was also close because you remember if you don't get 50% of this is the weirdness of America, every state has its own rules. They have the rank choice voting. So if you don't get 50%, the third place votes, you have to put, you have to give a choice like number one, number two, number three. So if you don't get 50, the third guy goes, uh, gets added. So the risk was if Susan ended with, let's say 49.9, she could lose with rank choice voting because all the third party vote would go to Sarah Gideon. But I think the problem was that the margin was so much that I don't think the third party people had more than 50,000 votes. The margin then, yeah. I agree at one point of time, the margin was only 30, 40,000 votes. But then the margin went up to almost 60,000, 70,000 votes. So that is why. So, but here's the flip thing that Maine gave the exact same amount of votes to Joe Biden for president as yeah, the yeah, Senate. Yeah. And uh, same for Michigan. Uh, Trump lost the state by more than 100,000 votes. Uh, the 146, Senate, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The John James came to within, uh, who's an African American Republican, came to within less than uh, 60,000 votes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's the very interesting part that I think the Senate is one wanted to mention like the Senate, if you look from 14, 16, 18, 20, okay, this time the pollsters, maybe they got the landslide wrong, but they've got the Biden win wrong. But if you look at pollsters, just take a history of 14, 16, 18, 20, they have been consistently wrong on the Senate. Senate is, I think they, they perform the worst in terms of polling. Absolutely. And the, the, the difference is, and here is why we keep bringing the Senate is, it is not going to be easy for Biden to govern from the left if he doesn't hold the Senate, because then he will have to govern from the center because you will have the centrist. This time was the best Democrats best time to gain hold of a Senate because there were more than 20 Republicans up for re-election and 15 Democrats. Yeah, uh, They thought that Iowa, they'll flip uh, Montana, well, they'll flip Montana. But what happened was South Carolina right? and uh, Kentucky. I mean, they spent hundred million or in between uh, Kentucky and South Carolina, I mean, I'm not sure like who in the right mind would spend 100 million on those two races because they badly lost them. I mean, like Lindsey Graham and uh, Mitch McConnell, they were trying to see if they could win the race. Texas is another example where Trump actually came within like six or seven percent, but then uh, ended up like uh, John Cornyn actually ended up winning uh, the margin for him to win the Senate was more than a million votes. So people did not as vote enthusiastically. And lastly, the House. The House too, the Democrats were hoping, they have, by the way, they have, they have still not won the House because they are still counting votes. But they were hoping. Yeah, I think if you scroll down, isn't it like Republicans have gained five seats? Uh, five seats, yes. And independents and uh, like other parties and Democrats have lost. And there are other, other seats where Republicans are leading. Like in California, they've only called four seats for the Republicans. But if you look a little closer, the... the a lot of Republicans are leading and they haven't been called yet. So you can see, um, let me let me bring up all the uh, votes. So Ken Calvert, Young Kim, 
you're talking about at least four or five seats mike garcia these are about five or six districts that republicans are leading so mm. i think the I, what the number is should be a lot closer now i think the republicans should get to within 200 oh certainly more than 200 maybe even 210 close to 210 so you're going to have a situation where the house majority of the democrats is like less than 10 uh and you will have a lot of centrist house members uh not really mm. the squad and what the squad has to offer so it's a, it's a i mean a, and you know in my private conversations i've been telling that this was see after 2016 it, i thought it'd be a blessing in disguise and this probably i might write a little bit more on it in the coming days that this was a best chance with the anger against trump to win the like a blue wave basically control of the three houses now in case if they they could still win the control of the senate and whatever reform or agenda they had on mind they could potentially do it for the next two years but where they failed is like they didn't flip any state legislature as of in 2020 so now the as you as you know the elections ending in zeros are always most important because why because the census comes in so once the census kicks in every state gets to redraw its district now some states have independent bipartisan non affiliated commissions but many states the lawmakers which is another crazy part of american politics they get to set their own districts so i predict that i mean a, a, or maybe a bold prediction assuming we don't have a corona virus or a 911 type of event uh, democrats will lose control of the house in 2022 so this is the best chance to hold the senate and uh, like do whatever they want to do in terms of the reforms because otherwise i mean once redistricting happens republicans will draw out these uh, uh, house districts so they're going to lose seats plus every president uh, in their first midterm has lost seats so i mean it's looking like not good for in 2022 for projections. in the house at least get the projections into for 2024 uh, california and new york are set to lose a seat each so is pennsylvania so mm-hmm. is ohio and the two states making the most gains are yeah the- texas florida Texas and Florida. Texas goes up to one, yeah. and Florida goes up to thirty-one. So and all the Midwest loses one seat. I think Ohio, Michigan, and some of those uh, Pennsylvania lose one one seat each. Even uh, Montana and all. I mean, a few use lose. So basically, you are looking at um, Democrats losing at least six to seven electoral votes, which were a sure bank for them, and the Republicans now gaining about six votes, which are going to be a sure bank for them. So. that also changes the contours of 270 and that is mm-hmm. when your new hampshire your mains your nebraskas they go to, they sort of come into the picture because each vote is going to be interesting and if trump goes out uh, because let's face it no, neither mohal or i buy these nonsense charges that please, and please guys stop tweeting conspiracy theories about how the election is rigged and stuff for sure have your uh, have the investigation or something but you're talking about four states and what trump said uh, right after the election was a little disgraceful right from the white house um i don't think he should have said what he did if he wanted to go to the courts he should have just said that you know let's wait go to the courts and see what it is rather than saying um uh, i won the election if you count the legal ballots and all that nonsense that was just not on right and all the world leaders have congratulated biden right so you agree mohal this election is done right trump doesn't have a chance of coming back as president no i mean see if it was like florida where the dispute is over one state maybe if they have a legal case i mean i am not a legal expert so i cannot comment like 
they could have overturned like maybe one state like assuming they had a legal case i don't i'm not a legal expert exactly. now if he is losing in like three to four states i mean biden if the trends hold today he will win 306 votes but i think arizona might flip so he might end up with 295 so it's not like a pennsylvania flips and he wins the election right like a, like the bush junior versus the gore gore stuff right yeah al gore stuff like one state would like completely flip the election so we're looking at two three states which is like unlikely that the courts are going to overturn that many number of states so i think the election is practically done the interesting thing is the two georgia special elections which will decide the fate going forward how uh, like whether republicans hold control of the senate or whether it's going to be a tied in which the vice president cast a decisive vote and like how it will go forward in 2022 you know yeah absolutely so i think uh, that's that sums up the what we were trying to say in this sort of um, uh, podcast uh, we'll we'll talk more in our detailed podcast even this was not supposed to be uh, that detailed but we went into it so we apologize but it, it was fun <laughs> going into this yeah. um yeah once we will have more data we can discuss more details like the yeah, demographic we have to wait a week or 10 days for it but let's see it's yeah. a lot of exciting things are going to happen mm-hmm. within that too this is going to be the first election where uh, the biden has declared victory and trump has yet not conceded i don't think i've seen this <laughs> long long time in america so we'll do that but before you go mohal any recommendations for our listeners yaar politics abhi bahut ho gaya unke liye if they want to watch any non political stuff listen to non political what would you recommend yeah i think uh, uh, i'm watching this uh, fascinating web series i think you had recommended in one of your earlier podcasts i think with uh, forget who it was but with arnab probably that uh, scam 1992 the harshad yes. mehta i think it's one of the most brilliant web series ever made in india it goes into detail how the scam unfolded evolved and how they investigated it you know so no no so what happened i'll tell you guys what happened um, we we gujaratis let everyone else make the web series right then they made <laughs> we, gujaratis decided to come in make a web series about another gujarati with gujarati actors and made sure it is the highest web series in imdb how is that for <laughs> gujarati chauvinism <laughs> i'm kidding guys <coughs> there is some fantastic content out there please don't troll me yaar i was really just kidding on gujarati shamanism because i am going to get like about 15 tweets from people saying how dare you say that yeah <laughs> but no so honestly it's a very good show <clears throat> i i watched um, i watched another show called the queen's gambit on netflix it's about chess mm-hmm. and if you think mm-hmm. can a show about chess be made so interesting watch that and i watched another show yesterday on apple tv called tehran which is about the iran israel conflict and uh, again uh, it's created by the guys who made fauda and it is it it so the fantastic take in the west i have um, in the west i see especially in israel is they try to paint spies of two different countries almost in the same sort of you know with the brush not in a way that who is wrong or right because on your path to doing what the country asks of you you have to do a lot of immoral things and how that immortal things based on your mind that is what the show is about and um, it's, a, it's a brilliant thriller, very well made show so do watch it so those are my two recommendations guys um keep subscribing 
Till then, it's a goodbye from Mohan and I. Thank you for joining us, Mohan, this week. Appreciate it. Thank you.